We all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, a podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about the music and what it means to them, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape to land in your lap every week, please consider subscribing. And if you enjoy this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on or tell a friend about it so we can grow the audience. Now this week, I'm talking to a man I've met in person maybe twice, you know, in in, in the last sort of six months. And uh, he made such an impression on me that I felt I needed to get him on because he was a he was a big ball of personality. This week we are talking to artist, illustrator, and pineapple pizza connoisseur Hamzar Isa. How we doing, man? Hey, man! Finally, we are doing this. <laughs> um, I was kind of feeling like a uh, you know you know when you kind of meet uh you meet someone or you know someone from the opposite sex or someone from the same sex that you're kind of interested in. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll hang out, we'll have a drink. And then they completely ghost you. And then <laughs> I discovered, you know, you were still interested. So I guess I'm pretty happy oh, with that. Mate, so. mate. <laughs> I, it was never my intention to string you along. I've just had a lot on my plate. That's all it uh, is. Yeah, I've heard it, I've heard it all. I've heard all the excuses. <laughs> so so um, I met you oh, maybe, maybe four months ago, maybe a little bit less than that when myself like and, and, and when myself and my mate matt went into the van store on oxford street uh, and matt obviously already knew you and i was kind of tagging along so he's like he kind of checks in with you and then the conversation starts flowing and instantly you two start talking about the new aliens comic book that is about to come out or is due to come out and the excitement between you two just went up a notch and the conversation really quickly digressed into cinema and went in all these different directions kind of looping back into the kind of aliens universe i had no idea that matt was such a fan and we walked out of the store that day and i turned to matt and said 
fuck, man. I wish that conversation was a podcast because I'd subscribe to that shit now because you were both so animated and you were really engaging to like listen to because you sounded really informed, like you really knew your stuff. I was just like, that dude knows his shit. I could listen to him talk for ages. So, uh, and Matt was like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good dude. So, um, so yeah, like I got your name off him and uh, sort of tapped him up, uh, tapped you up on Instagram as I do a lot of my guests. And here you are. <laughs> just creeping, creeping into the DMs. Yeah, that's all I do. But yeah, honestly. Yeah, man. It's it. Thank, thank you, honestly. I really appreciate the. Uh, I, I I wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I didn't think. Um, my uh, what my weird nerdy geek knowledge would uh, you know, one day have me on a podcast like this, man. Honestly, I, the the operation you have um, here is amazing. To be fair, I checked some of the episodes you've kind of done in the past, and some of the caliber of the guests you've had, man, completely amazing. So it feels almost like an honor that you'd have uh, someone like me. Something like this, honestly. Why do you not? Because you see, you see, the thing is, Hamza, is like it's it's amazing to get guests with a bit of profile because it helps get listeners. I'll, I'll make no bones about it. But more often than not, the really interesting conversations will be with people who just everyday everyday people who love their music or or who have a passion about you know whatever their niche is, and. And from looking at your uh, your Instagram profile, obviously you're you, you're an artist. So, like for, for the benefit of anyone who who doesn't understand the context of this, Hamzar customizes Vans footwear in the Vans store on Oxford Street. So it's it's not your it's not your run of the mill retail job. Is you're in there turning sort of the the the, uh, the the standard sort of silhouette into something more, uh, which is which is a really interesting creative thing to be doing yeah man I, I really appreciate um that you said that honestly um you have a point uh you know i don't want to i don't want to sound like i'm stroking my ego here but uh seeing especially the joy um people get from you know when you hand them a piece of art um on a shoe and and it's always crazy when people say it's a piece of art you, you don't really you don't really think of a shoe yeah surely a shoe can't have you know can't be artistic or anything like this um but i've heard people say they they buy they, they'll take the shoe i customize and they they'll mount it or they'll have it on uh you know in a display cabinet which is completely crazy to me um and i really appreciate it. and you know this is a bigger argument um or conversation about art you know and just how important it is in our uh, our daily you know just in our world you know mm-hmm. it's something we don't really think about on a daily basis, even street design, uh, fashion, no matter how simple it is, it's all design and um, artistry. It was, someone had to conceptualize it and then it was actualized, which is uh, in essence, you know, is the essence of art, I suppose. Um, kind of having uh, this, imagine it, you know, this world of imagination made real. Uh, so it's something that I find personally very important. It's very important to me, you know, without sounding too much like an artsy fartsy type. Um, it's something that's very important to everyone. No, I mean, it's kind of important for me to have people on the show from loads of different sort of backgrounds and subcultures. And one thing I was guilty of at the beginning, just because like it's it's my sort of my my, my sort of. Um, my my little subculture that I belong to is I had loads of stand-up comics on 
and that will never change. But I was like, well, I don't want to just talk to stand-ups. So I was like, oh, I want to talk to people in the world of skateboarding. I want to talk to people in the world of music and I want to talk to, to artists. And there are a lot of artists who, whenever they're creating, music plays a part in the process. So I'm curious to know how you approach making your mixtape. So with the, when you told me about the idea, I was like, this sounds <laughs> extremely difficult. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I think I, I initially, I kind of overthink, I was overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, uh, what, what songs are the most meaningful to me and all this kind of stuff. And um, you find that if you start to do that, you kind of, um, it, the, 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 long, the list just suddenly becomes more daunting. So I kind of just took it very simple. I, I was like, okay, what did I listen to last? You know, what were the last few songs I listened to? Um, and I kind of took it from there. So it was a mixture of songs that actually did, some of the songs on the list are very poignant to me. And some were kind of just songs that were kind of just, you know, I was kind of listening to, or, um, you know, songs from the uh, from the same artist, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I just tried to kind of make it as simple as possible for me to kind of pick this list. And I think the list is, I think it's pretty decent. You know, um, I, I think hopefully it will show that I'll have, um, I have kind of an eclectic taste and I hope this is kind of uh, demonstrated in the, the list I picked. I hope I, anyway. I, It's definitely eclectic. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, like I wouldn't, I would never think to put some of these artists on the same playlist, but you know, to each their own. And, you know, it, I'm sure <laughs> for whatever reason, it's all going to make sense. So who's your first track by? It's uh, Prodigy's uh, Smack My Bitch Up. And the reason I picked this, um, it was actually various reasons, but I think the main one, so this song came out um, in 97, if I recall. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of when I started um, secondary school. Uh, So Prodigy, or the sound, I guess, what's it called? Big, big, I can't remember the name of the genre. Big sound or big, it's big something, big bass or something. I can't remember. It's like kind of, you know, the don't, this, you know, the kind of genre you think of when you think of um, yeah. Prodigy. I can't it's a specific um, genre. Um, and there's many reasons. Firstly, the, the video. So, which is really strange. So I was, I was trying to find the video on YouTube recently. You can't find it anywhere because I, I don't know, maybe it's considered too controversial by today's standards. Um, and a lot of people don't actually um, realize the last few seconds of the video with the big twist. I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it for anyone. Um, and I'm sure you remember it. So at the time, Channel 4, uh, they used to do this thing where they would um, they would kind of show the more risque videos really late at night. Um, when Channel 4 was really exciting, they used to like, you know, you'd watch manga and anime on it as well. Um, but yeah, it was like, I don't know, 10.30 at night. Um, you know, you've, I'm pretty young. This very crazy video comes on. And it kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities of what a music video could be. Um, which, I mean, at the time, obviously you had guys like uh, Michael Jackson who had crazy, expensive, extravagant music videos. But this was something different. This was kind of grimier and dirtier. It kind of, it kind of seemed like you shouldn't be watching it. The, yeah, the video uh, was dark. Yeah. I mean, and we, and, and, yeah. we can, and we can talk about it because like, you, you, you're seeing it through somebody's eyes like a point of view kind of adventure on a night out and you see a very debauched night that gets progressively more intense you know and i I would i would wager one of the reasons well there's several reasons why it couldn't be played during sort of you know before the watershed is because 
there was nudity in it, there was drug taking, there was a lot of alcohol, there was a bit of violence. And I think and I think the the really the, the interesting assumption they create is that all this sort of bad behavior is carried out by a male protagonist. And then the reveal yeah. at the end is that it's it's a woman who's caused yeah. all this carnage uh, when you see her reflection at the very end of the video. And and you're right, it's it, it was like, a, oh, wow, like as if yeah. the video wasn't incredible and, and intense enough, then it just kind of turns your assumption on its head right at the end it's very very clever yeah and it till like to this day it's it had such a it was so impactful uh to me mm-hmm. um and not only that so um another big thing that happened in, in you know uh, 97 was tekken 3 came out so i'm also a big video game fan and the soundtrack for the game sounded very much like that prodigy sound I, I don't know you know i don't know the last time you played tekken over your video game guy at all but for anyone listening, do yourself a favor. Listen to the Tekken 3 soundtrack. It's amazing. But it had this prodigy excitement, this dangerous kind of, you know, dancey, electronic vibe about it. And again, just like, you know, with my uh, kind of, um, I suppose, uh, this knowledge I found that, you know, video um, music videos could look like this. Um, Tekken was also like, oh, so video game music could actually sound this amazing as well if that, mm-hmm. so the two kind of happened at the same time so that's why that song and i think that year that particular period is just so important to me to be fair Okay, so moving on from the Prodigy, who are we listening to now? So the second one is Jamiroquai, uh, Space Cowboy. Um, I'm trying to remember when this came out. This came out again when I was pretty young. I think it might have been 94 or 95, something like that. Um, and at the time, you know, for all for anyone that, uh, you know, grew up in the 90s, the radio in the house was probably just as important as the TV, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in my household, it was. Um, and I, I remember hearing this first on the radio and just like uh, previously with the Prodigy and the music videos, uh, this was kind of, um, I suppose, oh, so there can be music that kind of different genres, like more of a I, understanding of different genres, if that makes any sense. Because, uh, you know, the beat was very kind of chilled. Um, it was just mellow. It was very cool. And this is one thing um, I think I've discussed this many times with many of my friends. Um, you know, music is definitely an art form that shouldn't be, um, you know, uh, I suppose, understated for how it can affect a person's mood. Yeah. You know, how, how many times have you, you know, you've been <laughs> angry and you've listened to some tunes, your mood has completely flipped or vice versa. You know, how a, uh, a more, you know, aggressive or uh, angry sound or music can kind of charge you up you know so this is one of the instances where i uh, you know i heard this song and i was and i was pretty young at the time you know so i didn't it was quite cool to you know that discovery you know mm-hmm. as you're young you, you you discover these things and that was very poignant to me and then when um i actually saw the video 
again going back to because you know I'm an artist and the visuals are always something that's very important to me as well um, and I think to some you know this is also a thing about um, the word artist you know when a musician is called an artist I think sometimes that word can be thrown around too much I think to be an artist you also have to have the entertainment almost the whole is a, is a whole package right yeah so your music videos have to be on point if you are doing a, a stage show it has to be just as engaging Mm-hmm. as the as the songs you know I well this is just me you know I guess anyone could argue differently and that's completely fine but in my in my opinion I think if you're an artist it should be all encompassing and this was something again with Jamiroquai's um Space Cowboy video I mean the edits with him sliding in and fading from one scene to the other and it was predominantly him but it was so exciting to watch and I think he did that uh I think JK did that with other videos as well where it was it was kind of mostly just him dancing around in the room but um there was always something going on which just made it really interesting to watch so that was kind of like a marriage of the two you know discovering this kind of new genre uh that was yeah you know it did make me feel cool it made me feel chilled um and this you know this exciting interesting video as well so that's why that particular song is uh I think is quite important to me it's interesting because you know that you know that there's a whole sort of sort of subculture of sort of sort of acid jazz and sort of funk neo soul music that, that that had to be out there but there's a select few artists that get to sort of punch through into like pop culture so he he very much became people's introduction to that style of music um for sure you know for for better or for worse some people would probably uh, you know, hold other people up in higher regard, but they're, they're probably more informed than we were when Jamiroquai was kind of punching through. Um, but I, to- I, to- I totally take your point about the complete package and making the presentation of the music like a, a, a sensory sort of experience. You know, you're not just going to hear the song, you're going to have a visual that's just as impactful because that's important to how the, the, the thing is delivered. Yeah. Um, like, um, I, I've kind of had the opposite with the, with the OK Go. Like, I, I've listened to the music on first impression and gone, yeah, it's OK. But when I see it paired with these amazingly creative videos that they do, my affection for the song grows because I form an attachment to the visual. Um, so it's... it's and, I can't think of anyone else who's had a similar sort of ref- sort of a effect on me, where the visual changed the appreciation of the music rather than the other way around. Yeah, and the thing is, you find that some bands, um, one actually I'll be speaking about in a little bit, um, the visuals are just as important as they're as they're kind of creating the music. They're thinking very much about how this is going to be, you know, portrayed visually. Um, so yeah, I, you know, for again, for anyone uh, listening, I, you know, you could completely be like, hey, that's not what I consider an artist. Just again, for me, I think it should be everything. So that's Jamiroquai. Who's up next? So the next one, uh, Linkin Park's um, Somewhere I Belong. 
um, this is one of the more po poignant uh, choices for me. First album I bought. Meteora. Okay. So that was uh, Link yeah, Linkin Park's uh, second album. Um, the first, uh, Hybrid Theory. So that came out when I was in secondary school. And it was like a CD that was passed around. You know, mm -hmm. This was when, uh, was it Napster and uh, LimeWire, you know, ruled the world when everyone would burn music off, uh, you know, those sites. So it was like passed around and uh, I think my friend gave it to me. So that's when I discovered Linkin Park. And um, he also had like, I think it was the EP. So it had like some of the, de the demo versions of okay. the songs they released as well. Completely hooked. And the thing is that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, well, I guess a lot of the younger people, they might not realize how how much of a phenomenon they actually were. Um, I remember like this was kind of like early YouTube and you'd see like um, some of the songs spliced in with like episodes of Dragon Ball Z or something. It was just so, cr it was just crazy. Um, but a couple of years later when Mitura came out, um, so I, as I said, it was the first album I, I got. I remember I was in Hammersmith uh, College. There was a HMV uh, down the road. You know, I bought the, the, the album. And I had my CD player on me. I, you know, I, I put it in. I started listening to it first uh, straight away. And I remember this song off the bat just jumped at me. Um, you know, m maybe for the emo, maybe it's the emo in me. Um, but the song, you know, it, it's. I think even at then and even now, I, as as corny as it sounds, you know, we all want somewhere where we belong, people that can we can relate to. Uh, people that don't judge us, uh, you know, for whatever we're into or whatever. So that's why it became quite poignant to me. And the, there was something also about the the, the album. It came with a, a DVD with the making of a Somewhere I Belong video. And I remember thinking, whoa, you know, we're in the, 20, we're in the 21st century because it's come with this DVD. We're truly in the future and all this kind of stuff. So that was also very cool. And um, obviously over the years, I think the song has become even more i suppose uh, i don't know upsetting considering obviously how we know uh chester bennington uh, passed away like this you know what the the circumstances that surrounded him so even now when i hear it knowing why he did what he did it just makes the song even more um i guess tragic when you hear it um so yeah uh, like, i felt that way about the final album like because i, I remember I remember hearing it because my, my missus is a massive Linkin Park fan. Like I, I was all in when Hybrid Theory came out, and I was I was still on board when Meteora, Meteora came out. But my musical taste was sort of evolving and getting a bit broader. I was I was getting into more different types of music, whereas for the longest time I was just into like rock and punk rock. Same. Be through, through skateboarding and snowboarding, I was starting to get into a more eclectic mix. So I, I didn't keep my eye on them as the years have gone by. And obviously, like, you know, you see the music videos as, as they sort of come and go. And, but I love this song and the, the video. There, sometimes, quite often there are parts of songs that I wish lasted longer. And I love that little reverse drone at the beginning. Like, like, yeah, I'm a, like, if I, like if I could just listen to that be embellished a little bit more, but, yeah. but the, the the whole song is an absolute banger, and 
listening to the last album, I remember talking about it with my wife, and she's like, "Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit morose, it's a little bit uh, melancholic, and yes, I, and she, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. She liked it, but like it didn't grab her the same way as you know the, some of the other ones. But, and, but then when it happened, and and he made his departure, um, everything gets thrown under a microscope, and you, everything becomes yeah. way more meaningful, and you're like." Oh God! Like you start taking it a lot more literally, and go, "Oh, this guy was in pain." A hundred percent. And there's a few of the songs like um, I just I, I find it really difficult to listen to. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It just uh, because you're like, "Damn, yeah, what? What?" Because he was so. It wasn't like he just sang. He actually helped with the creation of these songs as well. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of wondering, yeah, what what were the layers here? Um, what, what was the meaning behind this? Because this was something he was, you know, he was suffering from depression for, for years. Uh, so you do wonder sometimes what was actually going through his head. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing song. And, and, and the, you know, the part you were just talking about um, as well, it's there's something kind of, again, like you're going into a different world. And it actually looks like that in the video. I think it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland thing. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the whole visuals and, um, Mike Shinoda is one of those guys that was very instrumental in how the video looked like. I think he even designed the album cover as well. Because I think, he, if I remember correctly, he's a graphic designer as well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. wrong. Yeah, but I remember he actually designed the, the album cover. So these are guys that, you know, very much took charge of uh, the brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I, I thought that, and I think that's completely cool. Um, you know, I, I I just felt in it, like every decision they made was theirs. Is how I, I is how I felt about Lincoln Park. Okay, so moving on from Lincoln Park, who we're listening to now? So this one is Outcast. Uh, deep, I think originally when i gave you the list i think it was fresh and so clean if i remember yes, i was. think that's the one i suggested um so i discovered with mo- like i think with most people my age i discovered outcast when i was in secondary school with um the album stancona mm-hmm. uh specifically sorry miss jackson or miss jackson i should yeah. say um and it was a monster hit it was completely insane honestly um, and it's a shame. I feel like sometimes there's, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of getting more um, removed from modern music. But I feel like monster hits like that, I haven't, I haven't experienced one in a while. But yeah, it was a massive hit. Um, and that's when I kind of got into Stancona. Um, I remember how exciting the album was to listen to because it had like, it was nothing like I'd heard in a, in a, in a rap um, album before. The kind of funk uh, melodies that uh, were in there, the production, it sounded very different. So the reason why I didn't pick that song was, I don't know, I mean, what hasn't been said about Stankona? You know, it's an amazing album. You know, you guys should listen to it. So I picked Deep instead from, um, I think it was the first album, um, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music is what it's called. So the thing about Cost, when they first came out, I think they were kind of trying to sound like the east and west coast at the time so this was kind of the 90s so gangster rap was you know in its in its heyday 
if you will. So they kind of they wanted to kind of sound like that. So this the album is a bit weird because it doesn't sound like Outkast if that makes any sense. They're still very much finding their feet, but there's still some glimpses of what they later become. Mm-hmm. So this particular song, uh, Deep, which um, you know it doesn't glorify gang rap. Um, gang, you know, gangster, the gangster lifestyle. Um, which a lot of the contemporaries at the time were doing. Um, it's a more introspective song, which kind of um, is. It talks about the the poverty and the kind of stigma that is put upon a lot of black men mm-hmm. because of you know just just because of pop culture. So you have Andre talking about how oh you assume I'm this way, but I'm actually not. And this is what's actually really happening, and this is why I'm this way, if that makes any mm. sense. Um, which a lot of rappers weren't doing. They weren't giving this kind of honest um, opinion of what was happening. Almost like a, a more, um, I don't know, maybe he was being more just open, um, more vulnerable, if that makes any sense. Which a lot of rappers don't really do, no, especially because, at the time. Yeah, because they're all about bravado and, and ego and, and yeah. sort of flexing, you know, the uh, the riches that they might not even have. It's uh, Exactly. It, a, a big part of that genre is ego and perception. So for, so for a hip-hop artist to be more open and to offer a different perspective kind of really sets them apart from everyone else. It's actually a very clever thing to do. I was the same as you. I I got sort of exposed to Outkast through Miss Jackson and all the sort of following singles, and again, very different to you know all of the other hip hop that I'd sort of listened to before it. But I realised that I'd heard them referenced in other people's music. Like a, um, Q-Tip mentions them in in one of his tracks on his Amplified album, just like uh, Outkast banging loud in my eardrum. Oh, what's what's that? I went, oh no, he's referencing, you know. So I kind of retrospectively put the two together. It's like, oh no, so these these guys were held up in high regard even before they really sort of broke through by other artists, and that's always really interesting to me. Yeah, I especially not to take any way anything away from Big Boy. Big Boy is an amazing lyricist. But I feel like Andre is almost like the rapper's rapper. And not a lot of people understand just how gifted this guy actually is. Um, again, for anyone listening, do yourself a favor. Check out, you have to check out, not just um, Stan Kona, but check out some of the other albums. Even one, I think there's an album that most people consider quite weak. I think it was um, Idlewild, the one that was like the soundtrack to a movie they did. The movie wasn't very good. But there, is, there are some bangers on that album um and you know these guys are amazing that these are guys that are actually cool artists you know yeah. going back to the the thing that we um, referenced earlier if they kill their own folks, what you think they gonna do to you? I'm outcasted and claiming truth. Aiming to at your motherfucking spot. No, I make that three cause I don't wanna hear you whine. Swine, got my folks blind like Stevie, maybe wondering when I'm gonna see the end. Andre being slamming backs like he acts over organized tracks. Alright, so moving on from Outcast, who are we listening to now? Alright, let's do one of my favorite uh, musicians of all time, Prince. Uh, 
specifically diamonds and pearls. So the thing with Prince, um, I feel like there's many sides to this guy. And uh, a lot of people kind of consider him, you know, the guy that just always talks about sex and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a bit gritty, he's a bit dirty, he's a bit this, he's a bit that. But the thing is, he, he also did lots of um, really introspective songs, uh, specifically Diamonds and Pearls. There was um, Money Doesn't... Um, oh, I can't remember. Something about Money Doesn't Last Forever. I can't remember the name of the particular song. But essentially, the song is just talking about how being more emotionally rich, um, more um, spiritual is mm-hmm. more important than, you know, riches, especially, essentially. Um, so this particular song is, he's just being very open and very naked. It's just a very honest love song. I might not be able to give you diamonds and pearls like the name suggests, um, but I am completely there for you. For anything you need, both emotionally or, you know, otherwise, um you know my love is true that kind of that kind of sentiment and um for me this was so i heard this song um i think i picked up uh this is when i was like in uh university and i had that perception of prince obviously as this guy the sexy guy that just talks about sex and this and that so this is when i picked up his, i think it was his greatest hits and i heard these songs i was like oh okay there's a completely different side to this guy um sounds like it sounds like um songs like sound um sign of the times where he's talking about um just kind of like the degradation of society and how things are just you know kind of i don't know crumbling or decaying um and you know you wouldn't associate prince with something i, I think so meaningful or so thought, thoughtful well, I, well i'll assume most people don't anyway um but there's lots of songs like that in his in his catalog yeah I like, you know and it i think i think one of the things i loved about him was how how generous he was and you didn't it wasn't always like it wasn't it wasn't spoken about as, mm. as much as all the other stuff but like like he would he would write an amazing song and just give it to another artist to sing because yep. he felt like they could do a really good job with it like uh, nothing compares uh, by Sinead O'Connor like he just gave her that that's actually a very good example so I don't know. Have you, have you heard his version of Nothing Compares? No, I'm not. See, so his version. Try and give it a listen when you can. It has a very CD bar vibe about it, which I love. Like, but the Sinead, uh, the Sinead's version is so different mm-hmm. to his. It's almost like an, this emotional ballad. Um, her version right mm-hmm. but yeah um, his is almost like you can this is what I loved about Prince as well it's when you when you, he's one of those guys when you listen to him he, he just takes you to a particular place you can imagine going into um, I don't know a seedy bar in Shoreditch um, before smoking was banned that is you know people are smoking inside so I was like hey what do you want for a drink you know that kind of place you know it's and I love it um, so this is why again he's you know, I said it when I mentioned the song. He is generally one of my favorite artists, um, and this is an amazing song. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. All right, now. 
it's a very eclectic list already. But I'm going to say that this next one is a bit of a left turn from Prince. Uh, was it the Phil Collins? Yes, it was. <laughs> Aren't you a fan of uh, Mr. Phil Collins? You know what? I think he's one of those people that people don't like to admit that they like some of his tracks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> almost, almost like a guilty pleasure type thing because he's kind of he kind of sort of went across the uh, you know as the tracks aged maybe he kind of became dad rock for a while. But it's kind of an unfair label to put on people when they've when they've had a big sort of impact on on music in general. I mean I, and and this track itself is heralded for the production and for the drum sounds. So you know maybe maybe maybe, uh, maybe I'm being a bit snobbish there. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think there's a bit of a snob in you. This no but I hear what you mean about the dad rock thing. Um you know he doesn't look like the coolest guy in the world. Um but he seriously this guy has come some bangers. I mean easy lover. Come on. Yeah. That is a massive tune. But uh, the reason why I picked Air Tonight, um, I, you know, going back to what I was saying about Prince, this song is almost, there's something almost scary and exciting about this song. And the way the song builds up, it's, I mean, how many songs can you think of realistically, just maybe just off the top of your head, that have this, this kind of, this tense kind of, you know, there's this tension that builds and then it's completely, there's this release at the end. I can't, again, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any, but this one is like, almost like a textbook, you know, example of something like this, where, um, I guess if it was, um, the closest thing is like a horror movie, basically. It feels like the tension yeah, and the it's, release. It's, it's building towards this crescendo, this, uh, yeah. this, this breaking of, of the tension. And uh, exactly. it's it's crazy, like because I, I know drummers who who talk about that little drum fill that it builds towards, uh, and it's really interesting that there's not there's, there's not actually an awful lot of production that went into creating that sound. It's just a very sp- specific room. Yeah. It's it's nuts. It's just a case of you know uh, simplicity, mm-hmm. I think. Not to say that it was, uh, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry can do it. Um, but again, yeah, it's just a song that you, you close your eyes and you're there. And the storytelling as well is what makes it so... It's just a, it's just a cool song. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I'm sorry for anyone that goes, you know, uh, what are you talking about, Phil Collins, he's a, he's a, he's a knob. <laughs> I mean, the, the song is cool, man. Come on, like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, yeah. Um, I, Phil Collins, man, maybe you listen to this. I, I, I still like you, man. You know what? It's not, it's not something I would ever think to put on myself, but if it came on, I would literally be hanging on, waiting for that drum fill. So moving on from Phil Collins, who's up next? So this one, this one, okay. There's no particular, you know, 
deep meaning behind it. It's just a good song to dance to, man. Um, cool and the gang get down on it. So um, I think one of the people that were really instrumental in my life was uh, he was my my uncle. Uh, he he actually introduced me to a lot of the musicians I would kind of grow to love. Uh, I don't know, maybe these guys aren't considered cool these days. Uh, the George Michaels, the Elton Johns, uh, yes, even Celine Dion. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, he listened to a lot of uh, funk, uh, Cool and the Gang being one of them. And I remember, I, I mean, it's just a feel good song. Granted, you might hear it in a corny club or in a corny party, or it might even be in a wedding. It's like, um, it's like a you know a good friend. You know, you might not see them for a couple of years, but when when you see them, it's like, well, you know, it's old times again. It's, it kind of has that familiar vibe to it, which is why is one of the reasons why I love it. There's a nostalgia that you feel when a, yeah. a, a song like this comes on. And there are songs like this, like um, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5 or, oh, yes. or Superstitious by Stevie Wonder like if, or, or get, get Down On It by Cool and the Gang. Like if this comes on at a party, even if you're not drunk yet, like I have this thing where like, that's my barometer for alcohol. If I'm drunk enough to dance, I'm drunk enough. <laughs> but... I've been at weddings or parties where I'm the designated driver and if one of these tracks comes on, even if I'm not there, like, yeah, I'm going to have to dance to this. Mm. Like, you know, for any other bit of music throughout the night, my inhibitions are kind of holding me back and I'm, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm just I'm sat here. But, but if one of these songs comes on and this is one of them, I'm just like, yeah, come on, let's do this. Yeah. And even the lyrics is almost like it's a demand. You know, you have to you have to get on you have to get on the floor. Um, it's like uh, what's that? I'm, I'm forgetting the the name of the band. Um, the one oh sit down oh sit James. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's it's like that. <laughs> the song is telling you to dance, get down on it. Why you on you know why you on the wall? So it's like yeah, you, you're like you almost tell the song. Hey, I, hey, you can't tell me that. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the floor and dance. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's just a good, it's just a feel good song, and that's 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 simply why I picked it. All right, so following on from Cool and the Gang, who's up next? Um, you mentioned him a second ago. Uh, the amazing Stevie Wonder. So, um, never had a dream come true. Um, the reason why I picked this, I, I think this was during my, this was like an emo phase of mine. Um, I think it was like a breakup I had or something. You know, like there's always that song that you kind of associate with a particular breakup. And this was one of them. Um, uh, you know, I, the thing is, I picked it and I still to this day, I find it really hard to listen to because it just takes you back. And this is again, this is the, the magic of music, right? Um, it, it just takes you back to certain events in your life. And this is just one of them. Um, you know, it, it just brings back memories of uh, this particular person. Um, again, it's just an amazing song. Um, 
I didn't want to, I don't know, it's, I think Stevie is usually known for kind of his more dancey, upbeat songs, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so I thought something a little bit slower. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm a bit of a sucker for sad songs, I suppose. Mate, you're talking to <laughs> the wrong guy. Because, like, honestly, sometimes if people looked at my own playlist, I'd be like, Mike, are you okay? Like, is everything all right at home? Because this playlist is some sad boy shit um but no i'm i'm right there with you and like I've, i i think i think when you go through something like that this sort of monumental life event where suddenly something that you 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 relied upon and like you was like a constant in your life is suddenly not there anymore the soundtrack has to sort of align with how you're feeling and when you find that track that really kind of fits where you're at you kind of just need to wallow in it for as long as it takes hopefully you don't bring the room down with you maybe you just make very good use of your headphones so you don't drive everyone else up the wall but like yeah sometimes you need to listen to that track on repeat uh you do it's, you, it's one of those things i you, no sorry because you can't force you can't force it you know you you can't like magic yourself to the end of, of that sort of journey and, and, and feel all right you're gonna have to sort of go through it for as long as it takes and then you can put the song down and go right out of my system yeah let's move on a hundred percent um and i think you know i think everyone does it it's you know when is the right time to stop listening to a, to a, to, a, to a sad song Thing. How, how how long is it enough for people to go or you to say okay maybe maybe i need some help here <laughs> is it a week is it a couple of days well, yeah well you, definitely when you've met the next person you should probably give it up you know just like <laughs> why do you keep listening to that no reason like no, you definitely shouldn't you, should, you definitely shouldn't suggest that your your, your fiance walk down the aisle to it <laughs> just like yeah, I definitely don't think that's a good idea. But yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a normal natural human thing. You know, you kind of want to feel a bit shit for a few days, and as you you know, you just want to get it. You just want to work. You just want to work it out of your system, as you as you said. So th it's it's pretty much why um, I suggested it for anyone going through a devastating breakup. Stevie Wonders, <laughs> have I got <laughs> never have a dream come true? Um, it's it's, it's it. medicinal. That's what it is. Yeah. It's All right, man, this is another left turn. You know, this is this is a this is a this is a change in direction from Stevie Wonder to our next artist. So, so who's this by? So this is the Cure. Um, I, okay. So the Cure. I. When did I discover these guys? I think I discovered these guys when I was in uh, at university. When I was going through my sweet boy phase. Um, <laughs> Hey, don't judge me. We've all been there. Um, so, instantly fell in love with these guys. Um, this particular song 
again, you know, not not too dissimilar to Stevie Wonder, kind of going into the weird intricacies of relationships. This whole thing with, you know, I think we all do it to some extent. Um, you meet someone, you obviously want to put your your best foot forward, right? Um, and maybe kind of sweep the, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't say darker, maybe the not so attractive aspects of your personality. You want to sweep that under the rug, right? But, you know, if you are serious about this person, chances are they might start to see, and maybe it's best, I don't know, to be more open about who you are from the from the from the outset. That's something I always advocate. I think that's the best thing to do, to be fair. And this song, I, I believe the reason why I could relate to it anyway, during my younger um, years, um, you know, <laughs> this sounds so terrible. But you know, you might you might tell a white lie here and there. And this is the whole the whole point of the song is this this guy uh, is trying to. Um, I suppose keep a person with him by lying. That's essentially what the mm -hmm. song is about. Um, and one of the reasons I love this song is it's it's weird because it has almost like an upbeat melody, but it's also quite melancholy as well. I can't I can't really I don't know if you understand what I mean. It's there's something quite it's almost off if that makes any sense. No, like the the, the actual subject matter is maybe at odds with the. Yeah, the, the beat, the, the beat, and the sort of tonality of the song. Like the music can yeah. be sort of it, the music sounds kind of upbeat and almost optimistic, but the subject matter is kind of the opposite, yeah. and it kind of creates this uh, weird dichotomy. Yeah, <laughs> dichotomy. yeah, this, this this interesting sort of um, push pull bet with yeah. between one tone and another, um, and. I, th I think if you look hard enough, you see a lot of that in a lot of the Cure's music. Hundred um, percent. But I, I, this is one of the reasons I love them, though. The oh God, I know I sound like such an emo again. Is there almost is the darkness? There's a darkness there for sure. Um, obviously, I think a more obvious one is probably uh, Spider. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't even remember the video as well. But this is why I like about this that it's almost creepy because it's. Um, Caterpillar Curl, that, that is, because it's, again, is that kind of playful, yay, everything is all right. But there's darkness that's kind of seeping in as well, which I completely love. I love that crap. Um, another band that does that amazingly um, is Pulp as well. Yeah. Pulp is another band that does it, and I fucking love it. Um, Case, um, what's that song? Uh, 3000? 2000, you know. Yeah. Less or me. And it's a depressing song. <laughs> it really is. But no one, you know, but the beat is like you can you can you can dance to it. But it's actually quite a it's quite a tragic song about this guy that's obsessed with this girl. He's been obsessed with her since secondary school. And you know, he's so desperate to see her, he's like, Yeah, we'll have a date, you can bring your kid. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's just really sad. Like he hasn't been able to move on from this point. And it's again very similar to this whole thing with um with cure. Um, and that's why I love it. It's just again, just how weird, how weird the song is. And I think it's, I think it's brilliant, to be honest. And this is another thing as well. Like <clears throat> another artist that does this is um, the late great Amy Winehouse, where they are sometimes not necessarily 
the benevolent soul in the song, if that makes any sense. They're not the hero, if you will. Um, and I'm going to go into that more in the next song, actually. That's, there was a reason why I kind of picked these two okay. for similar reasons. Um, but yeah, that's why I picked that song. All right, so moving on from The Cure, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get stuck into that, for the benefit of anyone who's here about you for the first time, where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? So um, I work as an artist for Vans and Oxford uh, Street. So I'm pretty much there all the time. Um, you can find my uh, work on uh, Instagram um, at Corrupt Genie. Um, I have a pic I have pictures of the shoes I customize. I've uh, I do comics as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I draw them. Um, in fact, I'm actually going to Comic Con at the end of next month. Um, I'll be there for three days, so I'm going to be selling uh, my comic books, um, as in my original comic mm -hmm. book, like the one I've actually, you know, created. Um, I'll be selling T-shirts um, and prints as well. I'm also thinking about maybe having like uh, doing some custom shoes on the side for those three days as well. So if you're interested and you're a comic book nerd and that's what you do, please check me out. I, I, I assure you, you won't be uh, let down. Amazing. Cool. Well, we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes, man. So like people can find you with ease, but your, so your last track, who's this by? So this is a very controversial man. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the last few years, uh, I think people have started to speak more about his personal life than his music, which is quite, quite a shame. But it's uh, Kanye West, and the song is Runaway. Now, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying before, um, I, for me anyway, because I always, I've always found the anti-hero a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of going back to comic books, I, I can, well, I can only speak for myself, and I think for most people. Most people find Batman more interesting than Superman, right? Yeah. You know, um, he's more relatable. Um, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a dick as well. You know, he kind of uh, <laughs> he kind of steps that edge, that line, if you will. And the same thing with uh, musicians. You know, I was as I was saying before, Amy Winehouse did this. Um, what's that song? Um, I think it's I, is it I, I cheated myself. I can't remember the song. She's talking about how she cheated on her, her her boyfriend and stuff like this in the song. And you know, she's she's not she's not the hero. She's not the she's not the good guy in the story. And um, I've always found that I found that way more refreshing. And there's the same thing with uh, Runaway. Um, I think it's just a very open account of how he is. Um, and I think I can relate to it as well. Like when he's talking about how sometimes he's not the most romantic person and you know sometimes in a, you know like after a breakup you can see the mistakes you've made right mm -hmm. and you try to correct them in in the next one yeah and um you know it's one of those things where sometimes on I, I think we should all be real you know sometimes they sometimes the same mistakes can poke up again mm -hmm. but because you've had the previous experience and if you're really serious about making this work you have to 
you know, you have to try and work on them, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like his openness about it as well. So uh, say say what you will about the guy. Um, I think he, I think he genuinely believes in what he's doing, if that makes any sense. Um, and he's very honest about his his lyrics too, um, for better or for worse, you know. Um, well, I mean, I, I've spoke about him recently with people, in that a lot of people wish he would go back to making that kind of flawlessly produced hip hop. And he could do it easily because he spent so long sort of toiling over production and and song structure. But I just think he's done it so much that he's no longer interested in doing that. He's he's interested in breaking the mold. So and, and, and quite often people will go back to an album from a couple of years ago and they hold it up as genius but when it first comes out it's so jarring they don't quite know what to make of it and that, that that's the signature of someone who's quite often ahead of their time i think he i think he wears his heart on his sleeve in a, in a lot of ways i think i mean I, and this is this is uh, speculations and observations like from the outside looking in but i I just don't think he ever really dealt with the loss of his mother completely and he's kind of like a breakup this is this is like a breakup for him like he's this has been ripped from him and he's been kind of out at sea for all this time and maybe he hasn't done himself a lot of favors you know in terms of like looking after himself like you hear these stories about him being like awake for 48 hours straight just constantly producing music probably over producing music and all of these things have this sort of knock-on effect to his well-being. Um, so I, I do think there's there's a lot of really interesting creative stuff that's come out of this this process that he's been going through. But I, like a, I certainly don't think he's taken the best care of himself. And I think that impacts everything around him. For sure. I just, you know, obviously I don't know the guy. Um... I, I don't know the people. I just have this. I have a feeling that he's around uh, yes men. Um, that's the kind of. That's the feeling I get from an outsider mm-hmm. looking in. But um, yeah, for sure. I don't think he's he's really dealt with the death of his mother. That's the impression I get anyway. Like the his last album is literally called. I think it's his mother's name, right? Yeah, Donda. yeah, it's Donda. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe this is cathartic to him, where he can get a lot of. I suppose the angst or the pain off his chest um and i do you know i generally wish him the best i think he's done a lot in terms of just culture overall um in terms of um you know fashion or music so yeah uh kanye keep on doing what you're doing man and it, and it kind of <laughs> throws back to like your original point about the an artist being the whole package like yeah. he's not just about the music he's about the aesthetic and he's about how he appears in, in in terms of fashion and he wants to collaborate with people in all of these spheres and uh, he want he wants to break outside of of just just being perceived as a musician uh, and, yeah. and a rapper um i mean you know i think I, and you, if you and if you look into it like he's always been pushing against the labels that have been put against him i mean when he was uh when he was just doing production for 
Jay-Z, like he was constantly pushing to do his own thing and his own project. Yeah. And in, in a lot of ways, he was being held back because maybe he was being perceived as a, as an asset, as a commodity. It's like, we've got to keep him doing this thing because this thing is amazing. And then he took it, matters into his own hands and just put the stuff out and people loved it. So they had to give him his shot. No, I agree. Um, but this is the thing, though, because he mentioned before how a lot of people kind of want him to kind of go back to his roots. I don't think we're going to get that Kanye no. anymore. Like, it's he's almost, it's almost like, you know, for lack of a better term, he's created a monster. And it, this just has to keep, he just has to kind of keep excelling. Um, because from, from all accounts I've heard, <clears throat> Dunder's been a bit of a mixed bag. <clears throat> a lot of people are saying how it feels like it's kind of soulless. I haven't heard it yet. I've only heard, um, you know, I kind of gave it like a couple of seconds for every song. So I haven't heard it properly. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, maybe one day we could talk about that at some point. I'd talk to you on Instagram or something. But I think for me anyway, I think his last great album was my Dark Twisted Fantasy, personally. Um, I thought it was an amazing album. It was the album Runaway was on as well. Mm -hmm. um, there was just a, there was something very brutally honest about it. Um, and I think as the albums have gone on since then, he's very much kind of, um, he's fallen in love with almost himself. You can almost, you can almost feel it in the music, if that makes any sense. Um, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, Kanye, keep on doing your thing, man. No hate from me. Amazing. Hamza, this has been a lot of fun, man. I knew this would be a good chat and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's it's been really it's been really fun. I still can't believe you know you thought I was good enough to appear on the show, but I really appreciate it, man. True. Everyone's interesting, man. So that concludes this week's episode of Mick Tapes and what a thoroughly enjoyable one it was. So I'm very grateful to Hamzar for taking the time to talk to me. And as I mentioned earlier, I've placed a link in the show notes so you can find him on social media and check out all of his creative endeavours. He's a very talented artist, so I would love it if some of you took the time to check out what he does. And if you're in London, take a moment to go visit him in the van store on Oxford Street and let give him the opportunity to make the same first impression on you as he made on me. Now, as always, we've kept the music played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike, where I'll be speaking to New York-based Canadian comic Jess Salomon.